Welcome back to Women Leading in Cannabis, where we go deep and get real with the pioneering women shaping the cannabis industry. We're on the PodConnects Network, iTunes, Spotify, and Pandora. And subscribe to Women Leading in Cannabis right now. Go do it. All right. I'm Kira Reed, founder of Women Empowered in Cannabis. And I'm here with Lilac Mazur Power, CEO and founder of the Giving Tree Dispensary. Welcome to the show, Lilac. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Lilac Mazor Power is the founder and CEO of Giving Tree Dispensary, one of the only women-majority-owned Arizona cannabis companies. For nearly a decade, she's led the vertically integrated operation, placing a strong emphasis on corporate citizenship and raising over $100,000 for charities. Power is also the brand builder behind in-house product lines Kindred, Catatonic, and cannabis for menopause brand Revelry. In 2021, Giving Tree Dispensary was named to the Inc. 5000 list of America's fastest growing private companies and was a Phoenix Business Journal Small Business Award finalist. Power is now in the process of expanding operations to Puerto Rico and Israel. Welcome to the show. Thank you. So you have been in the industry for over a decade. Tell us how you started and how you ended up being the founder and CEO of the Giving Tree Dispensary. Yes. Um, crazy, right? The decade in this industry is so long. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, you've, you've earned some stripes there. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. So, I actually, back in 2010, just had my first kid and... I was thinking about a different business, which was a wellness center. I keep hearing and seeing from uh, my husband, who's an ER doctor, how many people go to the ER for chronic issues. So I thought, hey, maybe I'll start this wellness center where people can try different methods to heal themselves and um, not just, you know, combining it with Western medicine. Well, I ran the business plan and let me tell you, there's no money in it. So don't do that. <laughs> and I kind of let it go. But then at the same year, Arizona had medical marijuana on the ballot. So I thought it would be a great way to do both, open a wellness center and do what I thought and also have the cannabis portion fueling it um, with the revenue. So it will make sense financially. And I always believed in cannabis. I'm born and raised in Israel. It's, it was I knew that research has been done and there is medical properties for this plant. So applied for licenses back in 2010. I don't know if you guys know, but in Arizona, it was business plan, money, location. And if you qualified with those three things, then it, and there was more than one qualifying person, you went into a lottery. So Watched some balls in the air and got the license back in 2010. Um, and then we opened in 2013. Wow. So what has happened for you since the time that you opened to today? How has your business changed? How has the industry changed? Oh, wow. Okay. So let's 
talk about the business side. We have been growing year over year, with this year becoming adult use and having two and a half times revenue from last year. Wow. Congratulations. Thank you. It is. I, I say it's, I think it's actually finally paying off. I think people think that cannabis people just go home and swim in their cash and it is pretty much the opposite. So it is nice to make it here and survive this journey and say, I think it's actually, it was actually worth it. So the business, you know, we're 65 employees. We have one dispensary. We have three brands that are in about 70 stores in Arizona, which is 65, 70% of the market. We cultivate, we extract, retail, wholesale, and now really focusing what we do as a business to cool, innovative brands. And that means a lot of R&D to create products and then making sure that we are hitting the right target market with that brand. So the whole marketing and branding around that. On the industry side, I mean... We were gearing up to open and I realized my business plan was very, very inaccurate with the amount of capital that actually is needed for this business plan. We could not find anyone to give us money. No one wanted to invent to invest in, in cannabis. Uh, we only needed $300,000 to make it to the finish line and no one wanted to do that. Friends, family, colleagues, anyone no one wanted to invest in cannabis. So the world has definitely changed and it's exciting and it's fun, but it's also, we are seeing a lot of mergers and acquisitions and we have to pivot as a small business to make sure that we can survive this scoping up businesses. Mm. So let's talk about being a woman in the middle of all of this. When I started in the cannabis industry, I was drawn into it because there was this opportunity to build something and take equity in the industry from the very beginning. And a lot of women see that as an opportunity, but I don't know if you saw that 10 years ago. And if you did or you didn't, what was it like being a woman in the industry 10 years ago? And how has what has your experience been and how has it changed over that decade? Um, so first of all, 10 years ago, there were not a lot of women in this industry. The opportunity was really just the risk. I remember real conversations about, well, the federal government might actually come in and arrest us for doing this. So it was different and it was um, not as sexy or fun. It was, we don't know what we're doing and we can't get money to do it. And there's a risk of going to jail. <laughs> so... I don't blame women for not jumping in back then. The women that ha was were in the industry back then are definitely the ones that risk is opportunity for them. I think what disappoints me now is MGBiz just released their women report last month, I believe. And reading that, you know, women in leadership and ownership in our industry is less than the US average really disappointed me because as you just said, this is such a great opportunity. For some reason, we are going in the wrong trend. Why do you think? Why do you think we're going in the wrong direction? Yeah. So, I mean, I keep talking about it and thinking about it and making sure other women are talking about it because it really bothers me. And all I, I you know, the things that I can come up with is a lot of men are 
more comfortable leaving their, you know, comfortable corporate jobs to come work in the cannabis industry, but not as many women. Men often, when they apply for a job, if they're at the 60% check mark, they're like, oh, I qualified. And women at 85 don't feel qualified. So if you say cannabis experience preferred, they will not apply. So there's personality thing there. And then, of course, it's becoming the, you know, the, the white men industry with the mergers and acquisitions and capital need, which women are often left out there. So there's heavy capital need in this industry. And as you know, banks won't loan money or support us through this. So you have to find private funding and women always struggle with that. So I think with all these struggles that this industry brings from regulations and 280E and taxes and capital, either women just thinking it's not worth it, um, it's too much of a hassle, or I think a lot of women in my position just at some point say, I'm, I'm done. Like someone comes at the right time and offer you a suitcase of cash and you take it because you're tired. It's exhausting. Mm -hmm. And then they take 51% from you and suddenly all that work and blood and sweat and tears and compromise and sacrifice becomes their benefit. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. How has the Giving Tree Dispensary become your vehicle for change in this area? And and not just with women, but also in the whole realm of uh, diversity and inclusion. So... I think what we do that is different is starts with the people we hire. When I interview people, if they don't mention that they want to work for us because they saw the charity work that we do, I almost immediately know that it's not a match. We hire people that, that care, right? We hire people that want to work for a small business, which is very different than working for larger organization because you wear many hats and we just get things done. It doesn't matter what is in your job description. And that is a different personality and the people that we get, get it. So I think it starts there. And then it's in design of the dispensary. We have a hard corner used to be a circle K, which we kept all the windows that circle K have. We opened them and we just, this is a store that we want people to, feel like they're coming to any retail store and they're welcome here and they're here to hang out and walk around and, you know, talk to people. And we have sitting areas because I saw with women, a lot of their comments is, I kind of fear opening the door to that weed store. I don't know what's behind that door. So I don't feel comfortable. Or women say, I have so many questions and I don't want to sound stupid. So I'm not coming. So really creating a space that is very welcoming and hitting all the points to make sure women, if you're you know 22 or 92, you are going to feel comfortable in our space was very important to me. And then the product that we do, capsules and menopause lines and making sure that we think about our consumers and we think about women's well-being as part of it. So it's it's definitely a focus for us. We want to make sure we do this. How has this changed your bottom line? <laughs> you know, so it, it's interesting because in general, it's a longer game, right? So when you build something that lasts and not just focusing on today's revenue, it's 
it takes longer to get to the bottom line that you want. But I also think that now, 10 years in, with the loyalty that we see, with raving fans that we have, it was worth it. It just takes longer. Um, but it's doing it right. There is something in this industry that's happening almost in every state. And I don't know where you're located, but almost in every state, what we see is people compete with pricing. So I want more sales. I'm going to race to the bottom and I'm going to do 40% off and BOGOs and just competing with prices. And we are not part of that. And it, it took longer and it, t- it takes time and it takes the right messaging to explain. Like we're doing the right things. We're not cutting corners. We are here to show you the benefit for you. And that's why people come back and choose us. There's a lot that is changing state to state. There's a lot of differences between the state's industries. In California right now, we are facing, especially in Northern California, a mass exodus. One of our leading women who has been a a real pioneer in helping other women to gain licenses has thrown in the towel. MJ Biz just did a big article on her uh, in the last few days. Who is that? Uh, Kimberly Cargyle. Oh, and a therapeutic alternative. Yeah, it was really heartbreaking. She's she's been a dear friend and a guest on my show, and and um, an award winner at one of our events. She's done a lot to help women in the industry, and she's been around a long time. And to see her leaving, it was just you know a real wake up call to what's happening in the industry right now because we cannot get our unregulated market under control, and you know. Uh, robberies and buyouts. You know, her in the article, it was saying that her revenue is down a million dollars from last year. So, you know, you're looking at California. California is a different market than Arizona, but these are things that could possibly happen as your market continues to age. How are you planning to, how are you preparing for that? How, when you look at, you know, other uh, industries like Washington and Oregon and Colorado, what do you see and how are you preparing yourself if the, that, those challenges arrive on your doorstep? Um, so first of all, it will happen. Right? I'm, I'm, I'm fully aware. And as we opened in t- 2013, we saw an increase in, you know, patients, population. And 2016 was great. And we all thought, like, this is awesome. And then a lot more grows open and more stores open next to us. And the competition actually started. And many brands from other um, states moved into Arizona and 2017 and 18 were terrible. We, I personally, I had to, I went through a separation with my partner on the business side and the market was so low, big picture. It was indoor cannabis in 2013 was, you know, 3000 a pound. And in 2018, we bought it for 800. So wow. I mean it was it was very drastic and we talk about the amount of money you have to put into this business 3 years in to experience that was devastating for all of us. So I had to I did not withdraw salary for almost 2 years and I had to cover payroll with our own savings and it's tough. This business is not easy. And just when you think you have it, you know, especially for us, we're vertically integrated. Like there's something always pop up. I I was talking to someone and I said, this industry is really a human (laughs) whack-a-mole. We lift our heads and someone smacks us. It's, it's, 
every time you think you got this, like the plant will humble you or people or regulations, there's all kinds of threats in this industry. So I am very aware of it. I live through it and it will happen again. This time, I think we are positioned much better. The business is healthier. The team is so much stronger. We actually got to the point now that I I hired a leadership team and they are focused on their departments. And for the first time, we're actually working on strategic planning and what's going on next year instead of like, what fire do I need to put out today? But I think also as a small business, focusing on our brands and our wholesale and how to get our brands into more stores, increase revenue there, it really becomes us being part of everyone's success, not totally relying on our own store. And that is making a big difference. So what is it, where do you see the giving tree in five years and how much of that goal that you have is going to be hindered or slowed by the fact that you're a woman at the helm. (laughs) Okay. So in five years, where do I see the giving tree? I think that in five years, our family of brands, you know, we're focusing on capsules and between our brands, we are going to be the number one cannabis capsule seller in the U.S. That's where we're going to focus on and that's where we're going to be. So I think we're going to have almost like a marketing agency within our company, because that's where we focus, um, you know, brands, um, a full department of R&D to really create cool products and actually start having fun. You know, we're a startup. And I think when I see high-tech startups, I see their offices and their perks and I'm like, why, when are we going to be there? (laughs) So that is where I'm hoping we'll be in five years. Being a woman You know, I think it makes me different. You know, I say it's not a great achievement for any of us as women to say that I'm the only majority owned by female license in Arizona in 2021. But it's also what makes people remember who I am. Um, So it's good for connection. And I think at this point, I'm not treated anymore as, you know, the girl. It's I've showed that I've survived and stripe in this industry. So I think I'm positioned much better, but I also think that I'm positioned to give women opportunities. So even just talking to you and hopefully, you know, I'm convincing one or two women to join this craziness is a success for me. I keep talking about it. I uh, mentor women that ask for help. Uh, So hopefully being a woman will become my mission to get more women into this industry. So tell us why. Why should a woman join the industry? What benefit is there for her? First of all, um, there's a huge financial opportunity here. This is a new industry, and that happens what once a decade, in the, once a, a century, to really have a fully new industry. So I think the financial part is a real one, and women should consider it. The second thing is, I mean, this is a really cool industry. There's so many opportunities and so many different ways you can get into it and be part of it. It's really, what is your passion? I'll, I'll find you a position in this industry. It's that much. So um, I think it also depends on your personality, right? This is, I'm sure you know that this is, it's a roller coaster. And 
you either love it or you hate it. There's nothing in between. So if this fits your personality and learning about, you know, our ongoing hashtag is it's, it's never boring. <laughs> exactly. And this is how you know you're in the right industry, right? Because you're like, oh, yeah, that's true. I'm in. But if that makes you like shake your head and run the other way, don't come into this industry. But if it does make you excited and you're like, yes, let's do this, then know that the opportunities here and the fact that we are building something makes it really exciting and really fun. I think another really important reason to get into the cannabis industry as a woman, it's kind of on the pro list, is the incredible women that are already in the industry. There is a real sisterhood and a real support system that I haven't found in any other industry I've been a part of in my career. In fact, yesterday I was talking with Catherine Blackwell, the founder of Open Door Dispensaries, and she says to me, have you ever spoken with Lilac? And I said, I'm going to speak with her tomorrow. She's so amazing. You have to talk to her about revelry. You know, we, we have an industry where it is it can be really brutal, but the women in this industry, they they do love each other and they support each other and they lift each other up. And it's one of the rewards of being here if you're willing to put up with all of that other stuff. So with that said, I don't usually talk about products, but I would love to learn more about Revelry because it is a line made for women in menopause. And I'm curious how cannabis impacts menopause. Yes, I'm so excited about this brand. <laughs> I think what happened with this one is I kept seeing women coming to our dispensary asking for something for menopause and then hearing people coming and being like, oh my God, this is the thing that helps me sleep. And I started listening to them and figuring like, huh, women are using cannabis for menopause. What is this menopause thing? And then started asking that and realizing how as women, we talk to each other, but often women don't talk about menopause. It's almost like a sign in our society of your official role for us is ending because you're you're not going to carry children anymore. So your worth is less. And it's a sign of aging, which women don't love because, you know, of our the society that we live in. So, so many different issues that I said, you know what, I'm not, I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to get to my 50s and let this thing control me and be a destruction of the life that I worked so hard to get to. We're going to figure out a way to make, you know, find a relief and we're going to make it sexy and we're going to talk about it. And we're going to do, you know, what Tampax did to tampons. We're, we're going to put it on the, on the shelf and, and say, Hey, we're all going to go through it. Let's, let's stop this dark cloud. So really talked to a lot of women, figure out what they're using. Um, and then did the small market research here in Arizona in our dispensary to figure out what would work and we came up with a daytime capsule a nighttime capsule and a cbd intimacy oil but daytime is you know different cannabinoids and microdosing so 2.5 milligrams really really small the nighttime is has thc and cbd one-on-one ratio to be able to go to sleep because everything we saw and heard is during the day, I have anxiety, uh, irritability, I have mood swings, I 
need to stay sharp and, you know, I get distracted easy. So this microdosing have really been helpful for women with that. And some women are like, it really minimizes the hot flash, which is amazing. So um, it, it, that has been very successful. And, you know, for nighttime, it's really about saying, let's stop the cycle. If we're not sleeping, then we're emotional. If we're not, if we're emotional, then we get angry. You know, like, let's just make sure you sleep for a good amount of time. And women, it's like the number one issue that women brings when they come to the dispensary is, you know, that to-do list, the logistics of tomorrow, my kid, oh, I forgot to sign up my kid for this, or I have this meeting, like whatever it is can't shut off the brain. So we're helping them do that. And I think it's really been extraordinary for women to be able to shut off and, and rest. Yeah. Well, without rest, we, um, <laughs> I mean, I get crazy if I don't have rest because I'm, I'm not all there. So sleep is just so critical, especially, you know, you hit a woman in her fifties and you, like you said, she's been working her whole career to hit this peak and now the body starts to fail a little bit. So that's awesome. When will Revelry be available outside of Arizona? We are actually working on it as we speak. So we got a call from folks in Illinois and we're trying to actually a couple of women. So trying to talk to them about this partnership. Um, but we are open to more and more partnerships and getting it into more and more women's hands. So we are not going to stop our lives for this menopause thing. <laughs> well, good luck with that. Uh, okay. So changing gears here, I want to know what you're most concerned about and most excited about when it comes to federal legalization. Hmm. Um, so I'm all for federal legalization. I think it, you know, the number one is the fact that people are not going to be arrested for cannabis will be very, very exciting for me on a personal level. On a business level, there's a huge opportunity because, I mean, first of all, the the ability to collaborate with other growers, for example, or labs or whatever it is that we are not living on islands and can't do that, I think will be phenomenal for, you know, what we're focusing on, which is the, the brands and products. I think what I... What I'm scared about with federal legalization is not surviving as a small business because there's going to be more bigger companies that are buying the big companies now. And when that happens in every other market too, it's there's this wave of, well, we can't survive. So we're closing or selling whatever it is um, at that point. And then you just have the, the big, big gorillas playing until the small businesses start popping up again, kind of like the beer industries and how it shrunk into, you know, the big brands and then small breweries came. But my fear is to not, you know, to live through it and have to sell or close because of those bigger companies. So knowing this, are you doing anything to prepare to mitigate it or are you preparing to be acquired? How are you going to handle that when it's at your doorstep? Um, you know, I don't think we can totally prepare for it. I think, Focusing again, I think if you create something good that people want, you can survive anything. And if on my end, I see 
I grab the opportunities in that and say, hey, Oregon growers, I'm going to buy a bunch of cannabis from you guys because it's cheaper to grow in Oregon than in Arizona. Now we can have better margins. But if our capsule is needed everywhere and can fit anyone, then we create the demand on our end. It, it will be fine. I don't think we're we're going to have an issue there. Um, the other thing that, you know, we are prepared to do is sell off brands. So if we have, you know, five brands in our portfolio and one of the bigger companies say, hey, that number one capsule seller I wanted, give it to me, it's for sale. But we can still continue doing other brands and developing new brands. So almost like baby exits instead of instead of complete exit. That's a that's a great strategy. That's great advice. What are you most looking forward to in 2022? And it, it can be about the industry, about giving tree, about legalization or regulation. What are you most looking forward to coming in the next year? Oh, I have so much. I can't pick one. <laughs> Share it all. All right. So I actually think that banking regulations will change in 2022. And what that would bring to our industry is, first of all, huge credibility, ease for customers, right? Ease to, to run a business. And then going back to the women portion, what banking brings that we currently don't have as women is that those funds that are dedicated for women and minorities, I think that will change the opportunities for women because banks will have dedicated funds for women in this industry. And that's going to help us all as, as women. Um, so that's on the banking regulations that I'm hoping will pass in 2022. Our store, on um, our store end, you know, where we moved, adult you started, we can actually start looking at last year versus this year and keep growing it. And we're seeing more and more loyalty in our, in our neighborhood. And we are we have a bunch of uh, uh, charity events with local organizations here that I'm really proud to be part of. And hopefully we'll really become a, a member of this North Phoenix community that people would want other dispensaries to be in their neighborhood. Um, on our brand side, I think both Kindred and Revelry that, you know, we're, we're the number one capsule seller in Arizona. So we proved that are going to start selling in other states. My goal is to be in three states in 2022. Um, Which other states? Oh, um, you know, everybody wants to be in California. It's it's a crazy market, but it's a good one. You know, it's it, it will be the same when New York and New Jersey would actually get their shit together and everybody's going to want to be there, which makes sense. Um, but there's some really good other ones. Um there's, you know, Colorado and Nevada. I would love to be in those. You know, every time I talk about capsules and I say, you realize it's an edibles without the sugar calories, you can see that the look in a lot of time women like, wait, 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 what did you say? You know, it's, it's, that's what it is. I think we can really create a cool demand when people get that in their mind. Um, so any state is that has, you know, regulated market we are open to be in but hoping to start with like california colorado nevada our neighboring states 
Is there any advice that you want to reiterate that you gave today or that you haven't yet shared that you want women who are considering moving into this industry or who've just started their businesses to know? I always say that to be in in, in this industry, you kind of have to be a dreamer because it's you have to dream big to make it. But I think what I really want to tell women is there is a huge opportunity here. Dream big and just go for it and do it and don't listen. There's going to be a lot of people that will show you so many ways that it's going to fail or it's not going to work or you're not going to be able to do it. And just don't listen. Listen to yourself, be a dreamer and go for it. That's great advice. Thank you so much, Lilac, for your time and for sharing your journey with us today. It's been really wonderful getting to know you. Thank you for having me. It was great. Ladies, thank you so much for tuning in. This podcast is brought to you by Women Empowered in Cannabis, a community that provides resources, connections, events, and content to women working in cannabis in the U.S., Canada, and around the world where there's an interest in cannabis legalization. We welcome women who are currently working in cannabis or curious about taking a leap into the industry. Become part of the Women Empowered in Cannabis community at weicwomen.com. And don't forget to subscribe and tune in for another conversation with women leading in cannabis. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. Are you looking for the next great cannabis business to invest in? Then you need to check out the MJ Bulls podcast. Hi, I'm Dan Humston. Join me each week as I speak to both cannabis entrepreneurs who are raising capital and cannabis investors who are investing capital. Our 10-minute episodes are perfect for the busy investor. Start listening to the MJ Bulls podcast today, wherever you listen to podcasts, and who knows, maybe you'll discover the next cannabis unicorn.